What is up, ambitious listeners? It has been a little bit, but we are back and back with a massive double episode. A few weeks ago, I sat down with Missouri Southern football head coach Atiba Bradley prior to the start of his first season as the head coach of the program. I also sat down with North Dakota State College of Science offensive line coach and run game coordinator Speedy Gonzalez as he detailed his future in coaching, his influences, and his love for coaching. And Coach Bradley detailed the same, and it was just an awesome episode where I had the privilege to sit down with two great coaches and two great men, and I'm so excited for you guys to enjoy and this episode will begin after a quick word from our presenting sponsor liquid iv ambitious is presented by liquid iv liquid iv is my go-to hydration and energy supplement it is the top of the line for superior hydration i personally drink liquid iv every morning it helps me get hydrated and energized to start my day do my regular lifestyle and do my athletic lifestyle if i want to get a workout in i drink liquid iv beforehand if i want to hit the books i drink liquid iv beforehand it is a top notch and good for you drink it tastes delicious as well my favorite flavor is the lemon ginger, but they have a Kai Berry. They have a limited time pear that they just came out with. They have passion fruit. They have so many varied flavors, so many different purposes. They have different supplements that can come that do different purposes, uh, more hydration focused, more energy focused, more workout focused. Whatever you need, Liquid IV can give it to you. It is a top notch product and it is ambitious approved and you should all go out and buy it right now check out liquid iv all over their social medias and at liquidiv.com to get you some liquid iv today get hydrated and get the best hydration you possibly can and do it with liquid iv now back to the show joining me now ambitious listeners is coach bradley the head coach at missouri southern in the past he was a defensive coordinator at mckindry university a co-defensive coordinator and linebackers coach at university of south dakota co-defensive coordinator and linebackers coach at western illinois defensive coordinator at quincy university and he was an all miaa honorable mention at linebacker at his alma mater that he now returns to as his first season as head coach Coach Bradley, how's it going? How excited are you to be back at your alma mater? Um, I'm doing good. I, I'm doing great. Uh, very, very excited um, to, to be here and, and to be a part of this transformation and this building process. Um, you know, I, I was a part of it as a player, and, and we fell just a tad short, uh, ran out of time, but uh, I'm, I'm excited to continue the process now as the head coach. So before we dive into everything you're doing now in your coaching career, going back to your roots in football, when did you start playing? What was your football background like? Sure. So I, my first year of football would have been, uh, you know, organized football was uh, in seventh grade. You know, I remember we didn't even have mascots. They just split up the team and we were the orange team and there was a blue team. And um, But yeah, so it was seventh grade and you know, at that point, I, I'll be honest, I was terrible. Seventh and eighth grade, I wasn't very good. Uh, and then getting closer to my freshman year, I really started getting in the weight room and lifting and, and you know, enjoyed the, some of the gains I was making in the weight room and then ultimately led to some gains on the field. So you ultimately ended up at Missouri Southern. What led you to Missouri Southern initially? And then what led you back home actually as a coach? 
Sure. So, I mean, the number one thing, um, I, I'm a homebody. And so during recruiting, I had some, some mid-majors, you know, some Missouri States, some FCS programs that had interest in me. Um, but then as I got closer and really narrowed it down, you know, my offers were all Division II. And so in my mind, it was like, well, listen, Missouri Southern is a great Division II institution, and I get a chance to stay close to home. You know, that for me was a win-win. You know, but really the only thing that would have pulled me away would have been a Division One offer. So you had a great, great career at Missouri Southern. As I mentioned, you were an honorable mention for all MIAA. You really were a consistent producer looking through some of your stats. So what led you to going into coaching rather than furthering your playing career beyond the college level? Sure. I think, you know, honestly, the biggest thing that, that really helped me was I knew I wanted to be part of athletics. I really didn't know what realm. Um, you know, I wasn't wasn't naive enough to think that play college athletics or, or even professional athletics forever. And so I honestly was excited to kind of get into my career. Um, I, I took a, a job as a restaurant manager right out of college just to make money. And then, you know, the old adage that if you enjoy what you do, you'll never work a day in your life was true. I was miserable. You know, I was making decent money, but just really didn't enjoy going to work. Uh, so I knew I wanted to return back to football and, and give back in, in some respects. And so I volunteer coached and, and every moment was, was just a blast and I enjoyed it. And um, it just, it kind of one thing led to another and a full-time job and then benefits and increased role. And, and fast forward 20 years, here, here I am as a head coach. Was there anything you were able to pull from your time as a restaurant manager onto the uh, gridiron coaching? No, you know, honestly, the biggest thing I got from there was just being uh, efficient. So as a restaurant manager, everything's about time. Everything's about timing. When, when the, when the person sits down to eat, to when they're greeted, to when their appetizer comes, to when their salad comes, to when their dinner comes, and then you know, and the amount of time it takes for you to clean their table and get them out so you can get another get another in, and so. I, I kind of learned a respect for, you know, timing and being efficient and, and just, and, and, and recruiting, you know, is nothing more than being able to have conversations and engage people. And, and that's what serving is too. I mean, you have anywhere from 15 to 20 tables a night of random strangers <laughs> where you get the same table that comes in and requests it. So um, just being able to find a commonality with, whoever comes in, whatever that might be. When did you realize, and this kind of ties into you working in the service industry for a little bit there, but when did you realize service to others was kind of your calling by kind of helping and coaching? Sure. I, you know, that's something that's, that's always kind of been in me and, 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 and on my heart is, is serving others. Um, you know, my mom and dad are, are incredible role models of servant leadership my, my mom worked in the church. She spoke at the church quite a bit. She counseled a lot of individuals. Um, so just in terms of helping people, that was her way of doing it. And then my dad was a, the ultimate handyman and mechanic, would fix about anything that, that had multiple parts. And so, you know, he, he used his skills to help people. And, um, and so I, it's always kind of been in me to be a team player, 
uh, and to help others and, and really to put others first before yourself. And so, and then it continues as a, as an athlete, you know, that's, that's what you're, you're brainwashed to do is team, 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 team. So it, it was really, really easy for me to just continue that, um, that mindset. So aside from your parents, when you look back, who were some of your influences in getting into the coaching profession? Absolutely. Um, there's a couple guys who were instrumental. My very first year, uh, I had a staff, and I enjoyed them. You know, I was people always ask me like, "Man, they were rough," but I had a staff that was that had a style of coaching that just really didn't uh, appeal to me. Um, and so that staff changed over, and there was a new staff that you know just kind of showed me the way. Um, Todd Walsh, who's I think I believe is with the Detroit Lions right now. Scotty Hazelton is the D coordinator at uh, Michigan State. And then um, Brian Ward is with, uh, he with now? he's the D coordinator in Nevada. Um, and then um, Bob Ray, who was, he's out of coaching right now. But that, that staff, you know, really showed me that you can be a coach and not be a screamer and yeller, but you can really be an educator. You can approach football from the mindset of, hey, you're a teacher, your subject is just running power and four verbs. Um, and that I, I really appreciated that, you know, because I'm not one that responds to yelling. I, you know, I'm pretty tough on myself already. And so um, it's easier when people are teaching and there's a message in the yell. Both, those will be the, the, the big ones. And golly, John Ware was the head coach at that time. Um, he has, he has since passed, but you know, he was huge, um, in me choosing to coach college as well. So you mentioned those styles and kind of like a style contrast almost there. When you look at how you've coached throughout the years, have first, have you noticed a change in your style as you've gotten more experience and grown in the profession? And then second, how would you describe your coaching style? Yeah, you know, (laughs) I think the one thing that has stayed the same, and honestly, if it ever changes, I'll probably get out of coaching. I like to coach with energy and being uber positive. Um, you know, nine out of ten times, you know, not not that not that players are dogs, but just like training a dog, when when a dog messes up, he, he that puppy usually knows. <laughs> you know, it goes and hides under the table or whatever. So, you know, when you, I just don't see the the value in, you know verbally beating someone down when they're already feeling bad about what they've done. Um, now, don't get me wrong. We have to make sure they understand what they did wrong and then what they can do differently in the future to make sure they correct it. But, you know, again, that doesn't mean you got to, it's not, uh, it's not last chance you or, <laughs> you know, or, or Bear Bryant style where we're just going at guys. But I, you know, if you, if you were to come to practice and watch me, you know, hopefully you, your takeaways would be that I coach with a lot of energy, coach with a lot of passion. Um, I'm not a yeller. I just assume grab a kid and put my arm around him and talk to him. Uh, just because, again, I just, that's just really how I respond. And so I haven't changed a ton in, in those respects as a coach. Because uh, like I said, the moment, the moment I can't coach with energy and passion, it's probably time for me to find something else to do. 
So before you kind of mentioned that one of your biggest, you, you don't yell because you know how hard you are on yourself. When you came into becoming a head coach, specifically the past year or so that you've been at Missouri Southern, you know, I heard Robert Sala say this, where when he took over as head coach of the Jets, there was a bit of a learning curve because he was so used to being that defensive coordinator for so many years that when he had to lead the meetings, you know, he was like, oh, I, I'm the one who's in charge now. Did you have that moment? And is there ever been a lack of confidence within you as being a head coach now? No, you know, it's not a lack of, of, of uh, confidence. I think the reason I got into this profession is I enjoy working with 18 to 23 year olds. I enjoy being a part of the, the maturation of becoming a young man to a, to a grown man. I enjoy football. I enjoy the X's and O's. I enjoy the competition. Um, so those are the things that draw me to being a football coach. However, being a head coach, all of a sudden, you're worried about more things than just football and the kids. You know, I, I'd be lying if I said I don't miss. I miss the interaction. I miss having a position group that I meet with daily and I have a group chat with, and you know, the the, the camaraderie of of being in that group. I definitely miss that. Um, because as a head coach, you know, now I'm, I'm the one who's responsible for tracking scholarships. I'm the one that's the, usually when players come to see me, it's a discipline issue. Um, you know, so those aren't my favorite things to do. Um, but, you know, I, I work really hard to get some of that other administrative stuff done as early as possible so that I can still be a part of all the football and the coaching and the meeting rooms and, and being around the players. So this kind of ties into my next question. With the added role of facilitator onto all your football knowledge and your football prowess, have you kind of adjusted how you're going to operate things? And more specifically, are you going to be calling plays this season on defense? No. So my play caller is uh, Joe Patasso, is my D coordinator. Um, and I think probably the biggest thing that I've done that I'm continuing to learn the value in is you have to be really, really strategic. You have to be really, really good with who you hire and surround yourself with. Um, because you realize, hey, I can't do all the things that I want to with the football part. I got to make sure I have the pieces in place that can carry out the vision I want on offense and in defense. Um, and the other part of that is I got to surround myself too. My, my DFO who's an absolute rock star, Riley Hartwell, is helping me with the administrative side. So I got to surround myself with people that can help me on both sides so that I can be the glue or the, the Band-Aid to help fill the voids, um, whether it's with football, X's and O's, special teams, or whether it's the administrative side. So I think the biggest thing that I'm adapting to is just getting everyone to see what I see. And to see it how I see it. Now, I, I by no means do I have a bunch of yes men and <laughs> they agree with everything I say, but it's important that we all understand, hey, here is the vision. Here is the standard. Here's what I want it to look like. Ready, set, go. Um, and and once, I, once we get that set, then it makes things a lot easier. 
So shifting gears here a little bit, when you look to your roster and the guys that you have on that team, you know, you're coming in where you're not, you haven't recruited a lot of these guys being your first year. So in looking how you adjust things, are you more adapting to the roster or moving forward? Is that always going to be your plan? Are you going to try to find guys that fit your ideal system? Yeah, I mean, obviously we recruit to a system. We recruit to um, our playbooks, but we coach to our players. So right now, you know, the the roster that I have, it, it was more suited for the previous staff. But, you know, I'd be a fool if, you know, at the end of the day, I got to put the best players on the field. And so, yeah, in, in three years, we talk again. You might say, hey, how's your roster change? And I might have you know, more full, fullbacks and tight ends, you know, and and um, we might be running a different system. But I think the one thing that never changes, regardless of who you are and what, whether you're a spread guy or a pro guy or, a, you know, an up-tempo guy, you got to get your best players on the field. And offensively, you got to get your best players on the field and you got to get them the ball. Um, so if by sheer recruiting, we end up with a bunch of receivers, well, we might look like a spread team. Um, you know, if we end up with big burly old linemen, then, then we'll, we might look like a physical, more pro style team. So, but I think at the end of the day, we're recruiting for a system, but within that recruiting, we cannot be so egotistical that we ignore the fact of, okay, here are our best 11 football players. These guys give us the best chance to win. So you, you gotta, you gotta play your, your best players. It doesn't matter what your scheme is with, bad players a good scheme is off <laughs> so evidently you've been able to do that as you pulled off a 21 to 20 win back in march when you first took over the program what has that win done at least for you in establishing a semblance of momentum going into this season where you start your regular season in just a few weeks uh you know don't you know again i, I always talk out of both sides of my mouth a little bit but i'm glad we won I'm very happy, you know, I, I never, I'm not a moral victory guy. I'm not a blue ribbon guy, so don't get that part twisted. But the most important thing that happened in that game was it gave us a starting point. We were able to say, okay, man, when the, when the, when it was live, you know, this kid showed up, this kid showed up, this kid kind of shied away. You know, we were able to identify who were some of the guys that we could trust. We were able to identify who some of those playmakers were. Because there's some guys, I'll be quite honest, that, you know, look great in practice. They look great running around when it's not live. But then all of a sudden when there's fans in the stands and, and there's a game plan that you have to prepare for, all of a sudden, you know, you might see a different player. Either that raises their level or their level drops a little bit. So the most important thing that we got from that game was it really, really gave us an idea of what we had and what we didn't have, where our deficiencies were, what we need to address in recruiting with transfers or drop downs, um, and and where we were really really strong and, and where we were weak. So it was it was great to win it, but I think it it really gave us a accurate it gave us a gauge of where we're at as a program. So now looking at what you guys have accomplished, I believe you guys ended camp yesterday. Is that right? Yeah, unofficially. So first day of school was today. Um, but we we don't play till September second, so we still got what 15, 16 days before that comes. So 
we, you know, unofficially, yes, we ended yesterday because school starts, but we, we'll still be grinding. We'll still be getting a lot of reps. We'll still be installing probably for another week. So as you carry over now into practice, what were your takeaways, though, from the unofficial ending now of camp? Well, we're young. We're a little, um, we're a little young and inexperienced at spots. Um, we have tremendous fight. You know, we have guys who are competitive. We have guys that have a tremendous amount of pride. Um, you know, I think that I took away from it was that, you know, I think we'll be able to run the football. I feel good about our ability to move the line of scrimmage with some of our bigger old linemen. Um, and then defensively, you know, I think I think we run well um, in, in, in the positions that we need to. We have a couple of linebackers that can light out fly. We have some uh, safeties who are very good um, tracking the ball down. So I like where we're at. You know, um, I'm excited for week one. Um, but I, honestly, I'm, I'm more excited for week five, not because of who we play week five. I don't even know who we play week five, but I just feel like this is one of those teams that every week will get better. Every week will improve. Every week will come across a situation that maybe we hadn't seen before. And so we're going to learn from it. So there's going to be so much learning that's going to happen in weeks one through four. And honestly, I think you'll see us play our best football in the second half of the season. So that leads me into my next question then. What are your expectations then for this season, given the young team and given how you feel you guys are kind of going to progress throughout the season? You know, honestly, the, the, and this is, you know, again, not to be cliche or, or just straight out of a storybook, but we're going to be the best versions of ourselves. So, you know, I, I want to go in and I want to play a game where Missouri Southern doesn't beat Missouri Southern. I want to go in and I want to execute at a high level. I want to go in and I want to compete. I want to go in and, and have no loafs. Our effort is at an all-time high. Um, and if that means we end up nine and two, great. That means we end up two and nine, but the effort was there, the execution was there. Then not great, but I'll accept that because um, right now in year one, everything's about creating a standard. You know, everything's about creating something that, you know, next year, okay, hey, the bar's been set. Now we have to be above this um, for us to be successful. And so as long as we are improving week in and week out and we're playing hard and we're executing, I can handle the result. If we come out, excuse me, if we come out and we are we're not executing or we're not playing hard, that will be harder for me to swallow than losing at this point. And, um, you know, I can handle the results if, if we lay it all out there, but we don't, we don't give ourselves a chance by just not playing hard and not executing. So you're laying the foundation though for hopefully. 100%. 100%. And again, while doing so, I want to win. <laughs> no, like I said, it, it's, I, but I don't, I don't want our guys to get caught up that, Winning is everything because mm -hmm. it is important. And, and obviously we're all judged by wins and losses and productivity. But at the end of the day, we need to learn how to do everything at a high level. We need to learn how to practice at a high level. We need to learn how to go to class at a high level. We, you know, we need to learn how to run across the line and finish plays at a high level. All those things will lead to winning eventually. 
So now looking from a broader perspective and looking kind of at yourself and your career and your journey to this point, when did you realize that this was for you? I mean, this profession, this kind of atmosphere really suited you? So I have, you know, I think everyone has their own weird tics. I love to compete. I I genuinely enjoy going against another person, another team. Um, I, I there's a thrill on game day that, that I don't think can be replaced. You know, some people gamble. Um, I made enough money to have a gambling <laughs> habit yet, but but no, I I just enjoy the competition. I mean, I really really do. I, I really um, just enjoy being able to be around the guys and be able to compete and, and go out and every game. You know, as a player. I enjoyed the one-on-one battles with whoever I was lined up against, you know, or whatever tailback, whatever offense I went against. And then now as a coach, I enjoy the chess match. You know, I enjoy the adjustments, in-game adjustments, in-series adjustments, calling this when they call that, being able to go back and forth. And and um, and I think that's, that's – I knew I needed that somewhere, you know, I – when I got to the point when I wouldn't let my wife win in Monopoly or Hort or any any game outside, uh, out, you know, outside of the the stadium, I knew I had I had a problem. You know, <laughs> I love to compete and I I want to be the best and I, you know, I love the the process. You know, there's a there's a cooking show and I can't think of the name of it, but where they just give you a bunch of ingredients and then you just have to make something. That's what college coaching is. Don't get me wrong. You get to recruit. You get to go pick your ingredients a little bit. But at the end of the day, you know, you're you're, you're going against a bunch of teams that have a bunch of ingredients as well. And and um, got to make the best meal possible. And we got to make the best meal and the best team. That's a great analogy and a great perspective on it all. So one of my last questions for you here is a bigger one. And it's one I ask everybody who comes on this podcast. And that is when it's all said and done, what do you want your legacy to have been? You know, honestly, my biggest thing is, again, I, I want to make a difference. I, I get so pickle pink when I get wedding invitations, when I get baby announcements, when I get, hey, I just got this job love when random students or random former athletes will stop in. They're like, Hey coach, I was just traveling and I knew you were here. So I, you know, that, that makes my day. That's why you do it. Um, Again, I'm a big, uh, I'm a big birthday guy. So I still try to text a lot of my former players, happy birthday uh, when it's their birthday. And um, because again, at the end of the day, it's about relationships. It's about people. Um, you know, I'll have a bunch of wins. I'll have a bunch of losses that, that, you know, there's not many head coaches outside of Nick Saban and Dabo Sweeney that don't, that, that have, you know, more wins than losses. But, but at the end of the day, it's, it's all these coaches have relationships with kids that are lifelong. You know, I, the amount of people that call me and say, Hey, thanks. You know, Hey, I put you on my, my reference sheet. Hey, you know, thanks for helping me get this job or help, you know, that, that's again at the core of it. That's what we are. We serve the players as coaches. My job is to help them leave this place better as a human being, you know, than when they came here. 
um, and be prepare them to be a better father, prepare them to be a better brother, husband. Um, that that's more important to me, you know. So if that's the legacy I leave behind is that um, I helped a lot of guys in life, I'll accept it. And again, the underlying print is that while doing that, Tebow Bradley also won a hell of a lot of football games. <laughs> you know, <laughs> that that's the legacy I want. You know, again, don't. Important to win, but we just got to make sure these kids are winning in life. That was a hell of an answer. Uh, really, really great, informative answer, and shows your passion for doing this and helping all your uh, guys. So can't thank you enough for enlightening me for that and enlightening me throughout this. So my last question, little lighter. I do ask everyone this as well. Little um, random. Yeah. If you could be any kind of boat, what kind of boat would you be, and why? Uh, I would see this is gonna be a so like my knee jerk was to say like a giant you know with all the bells and whistles I think I'd be like a tugboat you know what I mean like those don't sink <laughs> you know, they're they're so wide and they're they're broad and honestly when when other boats get stuck that's what they send in um, so it would be like you know one of those uh, big service tugboats I've done that. Asked that question a lot of times, done this as a question for a long time. You are the first person I think I've heard say tugboat. You're bumping your fist. You're liking that one. <laughs> but that is a great, great answer. And coach, I can't thank you enough. This has been an absolute pleasure and wish you guys the best of luck this season and open invitation to always come back on and fill me in on how uh, Missouri Southern's doing. Hey, I appreciate it and uh, enjoy uh, first semester at uh, Penn State. Thank you, Coach. And ladies and gentlemen, that was the great Coach Bradley. Thanks again. What is up and welcome to Ambitious. My name is Dylan Price. Today's guest coached at Lackawanna Football, Francis Scott Key, and he is now the offensive line coach at North Dakota College of Science. He is the incredible, the incomparable Coach Speedy. Coach, how is it going? It's going, man. Uh, Like I said before, you know, just excited to get these kids rolling in for the summer and get camp going and Finally get some football back here in North Dakota, Minnesota, you know, the NCAC. Uh, they had to sit out last year during COVID. And, uh, so I'll be excited to get football rolling again. Very, very cool. Before we go into uh, the nitty gritty here, I want to talk a little bit about you and your journey to this point. Uh, how long did you play football? When did you start playing football? And when did you transition over to coaching? Um, started playing football in seventh grade. Uh, I was I was a baseball kid uh, through and through. That was my first love. Um, and then when I moved uh, up to Maryland initially, so originally from Texas, and I moved to Maryland Middle School. Um, my stepfather was like, "We got we got to get you into football, man." And my mom was always deathly afraid. You know, uh, she wouldn't let her baby boy play football, and you know, injuries and whatever. Um, and finally. I uh, got got into football and loved it. Um, just love that you know, without getting in trouble, I get beat up on people. So uh, it was it was pretty cool. And played all the way from seventh grade through college, um, and then uh, transitioned into coaching. Uh, I knew I wanted to coach in high school, um, so I just I fell in love with the way the game. Um, helped me grow 
you know, just the, the camaraderie and the, and the brothers I was able to make uh, through football. Uh, it was awesome. I, I knew that it was something that I wanted to give back to uh, ultimately, you know. Um, so originally it was, I want to go and I wanted to be an environmental science teacher and coach football. Um, and then I realized, you know, there's people that coach football and just coach football. And, uh, you know, that that was a possibility. So I, I decided to, you know, put all my eggs in one basket and uh, get start start coaching and uh kind of also was part of my track of where I decided to go to school. Um, I knew football could take me outside of um, Texas, outside of Maryland. Um, you know, following football could just allow me to see things and meet people and, you know, continue to build, you know, friendships and bridges and networks and um, kind of helped me so far with coaching. So. So where did you end up playing after high school, and how long did you play there before eventually transitioning over to uh, coaching? Um, so out of high school, um, I went to a postgraduate program in uh, Southeast Houston. Uh, I was formerly known as Southeast Preparatory. Um, then they basically bought a new campus and started on at a, at a school called Texas A&T Preparatory. Um, now their staff and everybody moved into um, Louisiana Shreveport, so it's southern Louisiana Shreveport, um, and went there for a year after high school. Um, ended up basically thinking that I wasn't going to play. Um, you know, I didn't really have a whole lot of offers. Um, I just thought, okay, you know, I'm just going to go to work and maybe I'll coach you know, at a high school nearby or whatever it may be. Um, just didn't think it was going to be a thing for me anymore. Um, and then I got a call from, or an email from Lackawanna College uh, in the spring of 2013. And um, they were like, you you know, want to come out and um, try out for spring ball? And I did. And so I was out there for uh, two years. Um, then I got an offer from Minot State University out in uh, Minot, North Dakota, and went there for two. And, you know, um, Right after that, I had a year of eligibility after uh, my redshirt year. I had one year of eligibility. And um, I ended up going um, back to Lackawanna for a semester. I was going to transfer to a school called Seton Hill in um, Pittsburgh, uh, or I guess Greensburg. Um, so I was going to go there for my fifth year. Um, Lackawanna, the offensive coordinator, Josh Bordini, he asked me, you know, hey, while you're training and, you know, preparing to transfer, do you want to just go ahead and help us out in spring and, you know, coach the running backs or just assist the old line with me? And I was like, yeah, man, of course. It's something I ultimately want to get into anyways. And um, so I started helping out in the spring and I loved it and they, they loved me. And um, they ended up offering me the running back coach position um, right there. And, you know, they weren't pushy about it. They were like, you know, if you want to go play, go do what you want to do. You know, they um, they definitely gave me the option. They weren't just saying, you might as well just come coach now. But I knew it was something I wanted to do. And, um, I took the opportunity and ran with it. So I actually ended up foregoing my senior year um, to start coaching uh, at Lackawanna and started coaching there. And it's just all been going from there. <laughs> Was it a hard decision for you to give up playing football for coaching or was it really 
um, pretty simple once you realized how much you enjoyed it? Um, I think it was hard because, you know, I, and this goes, um, something, you know, you want to take with a grain of salt as anyone that is looking into getting coaching for me, I thought for sure, man, I have to play my years of eligibility in order to be able to coach. You know, I thought that was part of the, the process was like, all right, you're a player than a coach. Um, so I was like, do I give up my last year of eligibility to start coaching? And yeah, you know, I, I decided I, I did want to give it up. Um, it wasn't terribly hard because I knew um, with my height and, you know, abilities, I wasn't going to the NFL. You know, I wasn't out there, you know, you know, Quentin Nelson type of guy. You know, I was out there playing B2 ball, just, you know, getting a little money here and there to pay for some schooling and play some ball while I'm at it. Um, so I knew I wasn't going to the NFL. I knew I wasn't going to go play Canadian or arena or anything. Um, but it, that that helped my decision where it was like, you know, do I go and try to spend another year playing or do I just get into the business now? And um, it was difficult because, of course, I love playing the game of football. But um, I think when I started coaching, I realized I can get a, a fix, basically, a good enough fix coaching um, and playing, uh, as well. So it, it was difficult and it took some time, but once I realized and, you know, what I wanted to do and it, it was easy enough, you know? So from there you coached at Lackawanna football for how long? I was at Lackawanna, uh, from the spring of 2018 until the summer of 2020. And um, from there it was Francis Scott key after that, right? Correct. Yeah. So um, after that, so Lackawanna, uh, what ended up happening was their uh, fall season was closed. Uh, they shut down um, and I was looking for work. Basically, the assistant coaches were furloughed. Um, so I uh, I was just trying to find work and I knew um, that Francis Scott Key was a program nearby um, where I grew up in Maryland. Um I knew that uh, Will Thompson was um, a brand new coach in the area. Um, he had came up from uh, Charlottesville, Virginia. And um, so I just messaged him and was asking, like, hey, is there you know, anything I can do for the program? You know, I just wanted to stay involved. I didn't want to be away from the game. So um, I messaged him and he brought me on board and ended up helping me get a job within the school building as well. Um, so I started teaching special ed and started uh, coaching there and I had, I had a lot of fun there, you know, high school was, was definitely different. Um, but I, I had a lot of fun and uh, ended up going to Francis Scott Key for that year during the COVID season, we call it instead of spring season or, you know, short season, whatever we, we call it COVID season. And, um, so coached there for a year and then was offered the job at, uh, NDSES. So how did that come about and how did you end up getting offered the job there? And uh, what can you elaborate a little bit for the listeners on your role there going forward? All right, you broke up a little bit at the first part of the question, was that? So can you talk about how you ended up at um, North Dakota College of Science? Sorry. And uh, can you talk about a little bit how your role is going to be there moving forward? Sure. Um, so how I got it, I so there's a website uh, called Football Scoop, which is... Uh, basically a 
uh, football coaches, Twitter, that is specifically Twitter, you know, all job offers and uh, job openings, and, uh, news and updates, everything goes on that website. And, um, you know, I just was on there scrolling, just kind of, you know, honestly, passing time. Um, so I was scrolling through and uh, anytime I saw a position opening um, for offensive line, that's ultimately what I wanted to coach. I wanted to go back to coaching offensive line because I coached every skill position on the offensive side of the ball um, other than offensive line, which I played my whole life. <laughs> so um, I was just applying to every offensive line position. And um, I saw the opening for NDSES and that was um, uh a school that I had heard of because of my time at Minot. So I applied um, and I called my references and um, my offensive line coach from Minot, who is uh, the offensive line coach now for the Patriots, Cole Popovich. Uh, I asked him, you know, um, if he would uh, refer me. And I'm assuming they called him uh, because they ended up interviewing me and offered me the job not even a day after. Um, so, uh, ended up applying, interviewed, went to, through two interviews, um, and then was offered the position. Um, uh, and as far as my role with them, uh, coaching the offensive line, um, coordinating with, uh, the current offensive coordinator, John Freeman, who's an awesome guy. Uh, he, uh, wants me to really implement a lot of my run game, um, ideas and stuff. Uh, we're basically, we're working now, uh, combining all of our ideas into one playbook and trying to create, you know, a super playbook. Basically we want to condense it to where we can, um, make it simple enough for the guys to understand. And, uh, also to where we're all on the same page, um, and just use universal terminology and still, you know, just run power counter and trap, but, uh, uh, from there, yeah, really just trying to put our brains together and create something good. Um, and then recruiting. So I'll be recruiting um, big time. I think part of the hiring process, too, was the fact that I offered uh, a network from the East Coast as far as Lackawanna and high schools in the DMV area. Uh, and down in Texas where I'm originally from. So the Galveston County, Harris County, Orange County area, um, you know, going down there and being able to recruit some of those guys um, was a big um, eye candy for, for the coach to, to bring me on staff. Um, they've tried to tap into, you know, the state of Texas as far as recruiting. and um, They've had some luck. Um, he told me not, not a whole lot as of recent. Um, and as well with the DMV, they've tried to tap in, but, um, yeah, he's a North the head coach is a North Dakota guy through and through. Um, so he's got some connections through the states of uh, North and South Dakota, Minnesota, and then Freeman as well has been around for a while. So um, basically they wanted a guy that can go recruit out of state and uh, go build those connections and pipelines between, you know, NDSES and the state of Texas and DMV. So you found your role, you found out what you're doing. In looking back at your journey to this point, when did you realize that you had that passion, that fire to get into coaching? And has that continued on throughout all steps of this journey? Um, 
Oh, when did I realize? When my first class started signing scholarships. Um, so, uh, and when I say that, I mean both recruiting and outgoing kids. Um, so kids that I was uh, bringing in and giving opportunities to, um, you know, I, I, there was no greater feeling than knowing that I was helping someone just like my coaches had helped me. You know, that's ultimately what my, my goal is, is to give back to a sport that has given me such an opportunity to add life, you know? Um, so doing that, bringing in kids, giving them an opportunity, um, and then watching kids that I coached sign their scholarships and go off and play. Um, you know, some of the stories you, you hear, some of the things that these kids, um, you know, go through as far as life in general, um, it's, it's awesome to kind of be there and, um, be that person that can provide them with some structure, some guidance and, you know, let them know, Hey, look, I went through it too, man. You know, I, I was on that last pack of ramen noodles wondering if I'm going to get a scholarship offer. Trust me. Like I, I get it, you know? Um, and then watching them sign those scholarships and be so proud of themselves and excited and, um, you know, see all that, um, hard work pay off, uh, was really an awesome feeling, uh, knowing that, uh, I can give back to, to kids and, um, and the sport itself. Uh, so I would say definitely around December of, uh, 2018, when I saw that first class going and I saw my first class coming in, um, there's, there's a kid, uh, that was telling me actually the other day, I reached out to him just to check in. And, uh, he was like, coach, you know, uh, he's from, uh, the Bronx, New York. He goes, man, I didn't think I was going to have a chance. He said, I thought I was done. He said, I thought I was going to be working. I thought I was going to, you know, just clean cars and, you know, stay home and work. And that was my life. And, um, he said that I was in the middle of making that decision as far as do I just live life or do I continue to try and pursue football at the college level? Um, that morning I called him, uh, offered him a spot at Lackawanna College to come out and play. And, um, he's, he's forever uh, grateful. He always tells me, you know, that, uh, he appreciates the opportunity and, um, I mean, the kid's talented and I hope the best for him. He's still got a, a year left there and I'm excited for him, but, you know, things like that. I don't, I didn't think about when I gave him the call. I called him because kid could run the hell out of the ball, you know, and he was a good running back. I'm going to call him and bring him out because he's, he can help our team win. Um, but then knowing that that opportunity was everything for him, um, it means a lot. And to know that, you know, you can do good for kids like that is, is, a, is a great feeling. Now, moving forward with your life and what you look towards and what you expect, how do you, I guess, kind of foresee the next few years of your life going? Do you ultimately want to become a head coach and kind of continue that path? Yeah, I think uh, I think any coach, really, their ultimate goal is to be a head coach. You know, I think they want to be the ones that they want to implement everything um, and run the show the way they want to run it. Uh, I think if a coach tells you they never want to be a head coach, I can tell you they're a liar, uh, you know, as everyone, you know, everyone could tell a boss, oh, they should be doing this, right? Everyone's got something to complain about for the boss. And, uh, 
you know, boss is also not there to make everyone happy. It's just not how it's going to work, right? But uh, now I think everyone wants to be a head coach. I ultimately do want to be a head coach, um, you know, at any level, really, um, college level for sure. Um, for me, I think at certain levels, there's different business aspects as well. And um, that's the part that I'm really learning about uh, throughout this journey and throughout the process is, you know, at the college level, especially now with the NIL stuff, um, that, you know, the kids can, you know, bait and likeness and stuff like that. There's a whole other business aspect that has opened up uh, with the with NCAA football. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, that's where you kind of get in the gray area. Of like, do I want to be a um, power five, you know, Alabama head coach or do I want to coach at a powerhouse high school? You know, in you know, Central Texas, you know, I don't know. Um, ultimately, I would like to just be a head coach where, wherever I can get an opportunity. And I'm going to continue to take every opportunity that is uh, a, a progression up the ladder. You know, so every, any anything that's a step up, I'm going to continue to take, keep working, and just learn along the way. Um, so, yeah, being a head coach is ultimately where I would like to see myself. Um but in four to five years, I'd like to say uh, college coordinator. Um, you know, I'm very young and, and green in, in this uh, profession. and um, I would love to become a head coach, but I, I know there's some lumps you got to take along the ways. You know, at like my very first, at Lackawanna, my very first uh, job was really being a on-campus RA. Um, so there was three jobs, on-campus RA, equipment manager, and coach. Um, and then I was also transporting, uh, the kids. I had to go and get a driver's test and everything for the van and take the kids to and from doctor's appointments and hospitals and whatnot. And so I was, uh, I was all over the place, <laughs> but, uh, that's kind of how it works. You know, you got, I think, was it Ed Ordron that, um, his first job, he was sleeping in a locker room, making $12,000 a year, mm-hmm. you know? Um, so you're going to take your lumps. You're going to have to, you know, you're going to go through some tough times. I know that. So um, I'm just lucky to be in the position I'm in now and, you know, hopefully continue to go and move up from there. If you had to define your coaching style, I talked this about a, with a couple other coaches. Uh, if you had to look at the current styles today, that they're really kind of split into two realms, which are like the Kyle Shanahan's, the Sean McVay's, the X's and O's guys, or the Nick Saban's, the Dabo Sweeney's, those motivators, those passionate leaders, which kind of realm do you feel like you fall into? Oof, those are some great names. I don't know, man. Uh, you know, um, I, would, I would say more of the the Dabo. Uh I love Dabo. I love the way he gets those players to play for him. You know, mm-hmm. he is a passionate dude and um, you know, me and uh one of the uh, one of my good friends now and he was an assistant coach at Lackawanna with me as well. He's now the offensive coordinator at a uh, Erie Community College. Um Ray Dayton, we always joked around and we're like, man, you gotta play for love. You know, if the kids don't love you, they're not gonna play hard. And it was such a Dabo thing. And, you know, we did it jokingly, but there was some, there was some truth to it. You know, these kids, they, they, uh, they love you, you know, you're, and you gotta love them, you know? And, um, it's, I, I definitely think a lot of the emotion, uh, has a play in it. 
and I would probably fall under that. Um, I'm definitely a technician and I'm not going to take it easy on you. You know, at first, when I first started coaching, I was testing the waters. I didn't know, all right, do I want to be, you know, kind of a hard ass? Do I want to, you know, be a player's coach and have them all like me? But, you know, at the end of the day, you have to do what's best for them. Mm -hmm. It's all about the kids and it's all about who you're coaching. Um, So being their friend probably isn't the best, right? I mean, they're probably not going to like you sometimes, but when they're signing a full scholarship to, you know, Penn State or uh, signing a scholarship to even Shepard or wherever, right? They're happy and they're, they're they're thankful for that because, you know, you push them to it. But I think uh, emotion is definitely big um, as well as the, the X's and O's. You don't step away from that, right? I think teaching those kids about more um, than just their position and what they what they do, I, I like to tell them, look, I give them the holistic big, like the big picture. You do this because you're helping this portion of the play out. You know, I want them to know everything and why their jobs are so important. Um, and you get them to play for each other. You know, um, I know there's, you know, you'll see guys running routes and they kind of run them half-assed. You know, that's for me, I see that. I'm like, you're not playing for your brother. You know, if you would have ran that out route, we would have had this post in the middle wide open, right? You would have drawn eyes. That safety would have rocked it down, whatever it may be, right? You don't love your brother. You're not playing for your brother right now because you didn't run that out route like you should have, you know? Um, so definitely getting your guys to play for you, you know, loving each other uh, is big. Um, I think uh, something that we joked around about with um, the guy who was the guy that was the head coach for independence and he, he screwed up pretty bad. Um, Brown, coach Brown from last chance you, okay. you know, he's, he's a different guy. You know, we may not agree on a lot of the things he's done or said, but um, there's one thing that I can take away from him. he's like, you know, if your kids believe in you enough, you can call peanut butter and jelly and, and they'll go run through a brick wall for you and run it, you know? So, um, and there's some truth to that, but um, it's probably not the only thing I'll take away from Coach Brown, <laughs> being honest. <laughs> but yeah, it's a, it's a definitely an emotional game. So you know, you play for your brothers, you play for your family, play, play for all, play for Coach Bardini from Laxus. You know, you play for ten, not for one. Hmm. Play for the ten others on the field. Play for ten, not for one. That's an awesome quote. Now, before we wrap up here, I ask everybody who comes on this show one question and that question is when it's all said and done what do you want your legacy to have been um you know i don't really think of that if if i'm being honest i just i genuinely just want to do what's right for the kids and i want to do what's right for the game and i want to just uh be a part of that you know, um, I don't think a lot of the greats really thought about their legacy at the time. I think a lot of them just did what they felt they needed to do as far as coaching or playing or whatever it may be. They just did what was right and they did, you know, the things that needed to be done. Um, so, yeah, I think I would, I would, I would go with that. You know, I would love to just give back as much as I possibly can. You know, even if that means my last pair of socks, 
and a kid needs them for the game, the hell, I'm going to take them off and give them to you. You know, and I get a lot of that from the head coach from Lackawanna, Coach Duda. You know, uh, there's a time we were leaving a scrimmage, and um, one of my roommates, best friend, uh, teammate from Lackawanna, Tyler Affa, um, he his shorts had gotten taken. Somebody on the team, you know, swiped them, so the kid didn't have any shorts. And Alpha goes up to Coach Duda and says, hey, Coach, you know, someone took my shorts. I don't want to get on the bus without anything. Uh, you know, if you know, there's an extra pair laying around something. And Coach Duda took his shorts off right there you know, on the field and gave them to Tyler. And uh, Alpha was like, uh, I appreciate it, Coach. You know, I'll give them back. And he, nah, I don't want your sweaty shorts. You know, but, you know, that's someone that gives back and just gave everything he had to the, to the kids. And, and to me, that meant a lot. You know, uh, that's what I want to be able to do. It's just, just give, give the sport what it deserves, give the kids what they deserve and give them opportunity and, um, you know, change lives. That's a hell of an answer and a really, really great story that your coach would do that. And the fact that it inspired you to want to continue that mentality is incredibly admirable. I'm excited to see all the great things you do. Uh, can you let the people know where they can find you on social media so that they can keep track with your journey and how uh, how it progresses? Sure. I uh, appreciate that, man. Uh, social media, she's, um, so on uh, Instagram, I'm uh, Coach Speedy uh, underscore MDSES. Uh, that'll probably change if I ever uh, move on or if I, you know, stay here, whatever it may be. But the underscore usually changes for the school. Um, Facebook is just David Gonzalez. Uh, G-O-N-Z-A-L-E-S is the last name. A lot of people do the Z. Um, Twitter is D-Gonzalez7770. Um, yeah, you guys can follow me there. Anybody that wants to talk ball or, you know, wants to get into coaching, wants to talk about that, feel free to shoot me a message. And, you know, we'll talk. Well, ladies and gentlemen, that was the great Coach Speedy. Thanks again, Coach. All right, thank you, man. My thanks once again to Coach Bradley and Coach Gonzalez for joining me on this week's episode of Ambitious. It was a pleasure to sit down with both men, and I wish them nothing but the best moving forward. I, although it has been a little bit since I talked to both, both have had a very strong start to their seasons, and I'm excited to see how they continue building their programs and where their future takes them. With that said, if you'd like to see where the future takes Ambitious, you can follow us on Instagram at Ambitious Podcast, Twitter at Ambitious with DP, and YouTube Ambitious with Dylan Price, and you can find my twitter at dylan price 27 and we will be back next week with another episode with an incredible tiktok star with an inspirational story of how he not only overcame cancer but overcame losing his leg and also beat cancer not once but twice it's an incredible episode and stay tuned for next week's episode and have a great week ambitious listeners